Hey everyone, welcome to today's discussion. Today we're going to be talking uh, about uh, the birth symbolism that we find in the Law of One, and that is according to the uh, this, the birds that were placed into the tarot and what it kind of means for us individually. And then we're going to go into speaking about the uh, resurrection or what the Law of One has to say about it, and then kind of tie it into uh, you know, that that's a force really within ourselves that we can tap into and how those two actually relate. So let's get into what they have to say about the bird. So this is session 94, question 24. Uh, the bird in card three, which is the empress, seems to now be internalized in the center of the entity in card four, which is the emperor, and that it has changed from the the flight then has achieved its objective and become part of the experience. Can Ra comment? And Ra answers, the perception is correct, but what shall the student find the bird to signify? So they do leave it open uh, for interpretation from the individual um, and I'll tie in, a, you know, some of my own opinions and everyone has their own discernment on this. Everyone has their own distortion on this. Uh, you know, to me, it, I, it really made me think of taking flight. You know, the bird takes flight. And that is something that the bird must learn how to do on its own is to take flight. The mama bird doesn't really, I mean, they do. I guess I do show the baby birds a little bit, but really it's up to the bird itself to take the flight out of the nest and learn how to kind of sail the world. Uh, but let's move on because there are some more goodies. So this is session 92, question three. Um, and this is, uh, he's been doing some consideration on the appearance of the hawk. And I think this was, um, Don actually had a, an, a, a visitation from a hawk in regards to, um, I think a house he was buying, a hawk had showed up and had made this analysis of the bird in card three. Here we are at the Empress again. The bird is a message from the higher self and the position of the wings in card three, one pointing towards the female, indicates that this is a message to the female acting as catalyst for the mind. The position of the downward wing indicates that the message is of negative or uh, of a nature indicating the inappropriateness of certain mental activity. And this is where it gets really interesting because Don asked, would Ra comment on this? And Ra's like, nope. <laughs> so, but he didn't ask, is this correct? All he asked is, would Ra comment on this? And they said, no. So we don't know if this interpretation is correct or not. I got to say, though, it does make sense to me. Um, again, it's your interpretation. But looking at this card in card three with the Empress, the, the bird is, is handing down a message to the higher self. The bird is a messenger. Okay, and then we have handing down to the Empress, which is an archetype of ourselves. Okay, and they're saying that the position of the wings, you know, do they mean anything? In my own interpretation of this tarot, I would look at everything. I think that it would mean something if you're looking down 
um, that may be of a negative nature. Everybody has their own take on how to interpret it, these cards. Uh, but it is something of a good advice as far as how to read these cards because Ra does say, hey, you know, um, what what do you feel like that means? And it's kind of up to uh, the intuitive, intuition of the reader, even if you're reading for yourself or for others. So, um, and this is in regards to, again, positioning of the downward wing indicates negative uh, mental activity. So that may mean that the, the message is that um, this particular individual or you yourself are um, interacting with a negative mental activity, maybe being down on yourself or judging you or judging others or being stuck in a loop of trying to understand something internally or not moving past a certain situation in your mind um, and, and not having forgiveness. It can mean a lot of things. Uh, it really depends on the individual uh, and their current circumstance. And again, whatever intuitive hits that this reader or if you're reading for yourself or getting at this time. So, um, yeah, and this is where he talks about um, the visitation of the hawk when they were I believe looking at a house. So uh, the answer is quite something. So again, this is where Ra kind of leads it up to the, the person, you know, what bird comes to a firm for Ra? What bird would be chosen to warn? We ask the questioner to upon uh, these queries. So they say, hey, question, you know, what do you feel like these things mean to you? Uh, it's all personal. Okay. Um, in this one, this question, Ross says, it bears little of sense, but it, it kind of did to me. I don't know. Maybe the more I looked at it, the more I found something in it. Not sure, but we'll go over it. This is 94.25. Uh, the bird signifies a communication that comes as a catalyst, signified in card three. Again, that's the empress is then accepted by the female and then uh, used and becomes a portion of the experience. Am I in any way correct? And Ross says that bears little of sense. So very direct and forward. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> but to me, it does. So the bird, if the bird is a messenger, okay, um, and they're bringing a communication, which is what a messenger would do, and maybe there's some information involved or a question involved to, to try to prompt the individual, um, you know, and just because it says female doesn't mean it's actually a female. It just, you know, Ra explains that the gender in the card, such as the empress is depicted as a female, really means that this specific archetype is more apt to be uh, drawn to a female. It does not mean that a male cannot, um, you know, take on that archetype at any time. It just means that it, the female is more apt to kind of reach out for that. So, um, but uh, the again, this, if this is information, maybe it's a question, maybe it's a symbol to kind of prompt the individual that's getting this message for uh, to take action or to ask questions. 
and that then it becomes a portion of the experience, you know, if that person does um, take action on this. So um, this is 91.31. Uh, I have listed the sword as struggle. I am not sure that I even um, can call anything in this diagram a sword. So, and I know this has nothing to do with the bird, but I did find it quite interesting because the answer, doubt not the struggle, but release the sword from its structure. Observe the struggle of a caged bird to fly. And there is more that goes into this when talking about the magician archetype and uh, the illustration of the original uh, Egyptian tarot. Um, but it just reminded me of King Arthur and the sword, <laughs> you know, removing the sword from the stone. And then I kind of applied it to my own life and those around me. And basically it's saying, you know, release the struggle. Why does there have to be a struggle? Why does humanity make everything a struggle? And we do this to ourselves. I found myself doing it um, when it when we're in the mind that we have abundance, we have that mindset of not coming from lack, that we have everything we need right now. And there's everything will be provided for us no matter what everything is is working out the way that I need it, as long as I am staying true to myself and others. And, you know, attempting to live a holy life the best way that I can. Nothing is ever perfect, but then again, everything is imperfect. So, um, if nothing was perfect, then you wouldn't be here at this moment doing what you're doing. And there's there's a lesson in why you are at the point at which you are. E even though you may see it as a negative, maybe, you, maybe the experience was needed to get you to a certain level of, uh, with which you have already manifested yourself to be and everything is just working out and coming into connection with that manifestation. So uh, remove the sword from the stone. Okay. Uh, they did talk about observe the struggle of a cage bird to fly. Um, I I remember having a dream once that I, I had, um, I was holding a bird cage and there was probably... I don't know, half a dozen or so, maybe seven or eight birds in this cage. And um, they were all like weak and um, hungry and just on the brink of dying, basically. And I just remember being just so um, worried about these birds. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, they're going to die. So then I opened the cage and then they all flew away. So, yeah. And... So I, I guess the moral of what I was trying to explain is open the cage. I think the only thing keeping the cage door closed is ourselves and not understanding um, that we, you know, come from this, this facet of the creator. And maybe it's human programming um, by trickery, you know, that we do not hold the power within ourselves. Uh, but open the cage. Open the cage. Don't be afraid to open the cage because that's where freedom lies. So, um, this one here, um, 94.27 is talking more about the shape of what's going on and the emperor card, card four. So, um, I think we've already discussed shapes, but shapes do hold 
some type of spiritual um, activity with it, rounded shapes or pointed shapes. Uh, they do kind of act as a catalyst for, um, you know, the raising of consciousness and that. So uh, this is the one I was speaking about with the magician. So let's go into that. This is 91.24. The bird is a messenger that the hand is reaching down to unlock. And I do believe these, uh, the photos of the cards are on this website. If you go all the way down, you will be able to see uh, the, the pictures of the tarot. But basically, in this magician, you have a person with a wand and a bird in a cage. And the, the magician is reaching down. So, uh, Ross says the wing visions or images in this system are to be noted not so much for their distinct kind as for the position of the wings. All birds are indeed intended to suggest flight and messages and movement and in some cases protection. The folded wing in this image is intended to suggest that just as the matrix figure, the magician cannot act without reaching its winged spirit. So neither can the spirit fly lest it be released into conscious manifestation and fructified thereby. So here we have a description of the spirit where Ra is saying that the spirit is winged. Um, so this is uh, symbolic for us. We are the ones in the cage and our spirit is the one with the wings and, a, and is, is in a sense able to open that cage of, of limited consciousness and so the only one stopping us is us i suppose and because well through no fault of our own but we can forgive that and move on uh at least as long as we understand that once we really make that connection with our the, the spirit that we become winged and you are able to to live a life directed by the spirit but also connecting the mind body and the spirit as one entity working together and understanding you know the the spirit is a shuttle for these universal energies and the consciousness is on one receiving and then the consciousness gives orders to the body to move or uh, and working in tandem with the emotions, but uh, before we talked about how the emotions are actually kind of coming from this mind, the mind is the one that actually um, says to the body to make cortisol or uh, to to make these different hormones or uh, the, the chemicals that is causing these emotions. So uh, our mind has a capability of saying, I am in this world but i'm not of it i will control this anger i will control this uh sadness i will control this uh whatever emotion that you're having so um and i had to kind of read this specific and entry over and over again because i'm not, i wasn't sure quite what it was trying to say but the spirit cannot fly let alone be released into conscious manifestation um i, I kind of had to look at a couple different interpretations of the definition of lest it be it's kind of like an old english you know thing going on so I, really it's more 
you know, neither can the spirit fly, let alone be released into conscious manifestation without the conscious mind reaching to its spirit. So everything has to work in tandem with one another, mind, body, spirit. We have to know the uh, limitless of, of each one and accept each one as part of us and um, then understand that the only thing stopping us from opening that cage is essentially ourself. I did go into a little bit on this card. Um, I'm not sure it's going to come up in, maybe I can do it when we're done with that, but the magician in this card is holding a wand, and it does say that the wand actually isn't really a wand. It's a symbol for the will, the will of the magician. So the magician really is, is consciousness. We know that. And it's not the, um, it's not the consciousness. It's thinking and uh, collaborating, you know, and, and contemplating and all of that. It's just consciousness in general. So um, then you have the will. Okay. What is the will of the consciousness? Is it to heal? So we really don't need the wands and we really don't need the tools. You know, we really don't even need the cards of tarot in front of us. We, we really can do this ourselves. They're more of a tool to get us used to, um, that we do have this intuition and we can pick up on these things, whether it be for ourselves or for others and, and help them that way. But, uh, so I found that interesting. The will of the magician is what opens the cage that the bird is trapped in. And we are symbolic for that bird. Okay. Here's another one where I was just like, nope, but they didn't, but they, they, again, they didn't ask this right or wrong. They just said, will you comment on this? And they're like, nope, but we'll read it because it is a very interesting um, session. So uh, this seems to be connected with the concept of birds being messengers in the tarot. And this is a demonstration of the concept of the tarot. And I was wondering about the mechanics of this type of message. I assume the hawk was a messenger. And I assume that as I thought of the possible meaning of this with respect to activities in the state of free will, getting a message through the appearance of this very unusual bird, I believe he's talking about the hawk. Um, I say, and that it came so close, I would be very interested in the origin of the messages. And then they answer the question in the question itself. It's the origin is a one creator. So uh, they did not answer. <laughs> they, but again, I think it's the way they asked it. They didn't say, am I right or wrong? Or could you expand on this? You know, they just said, would you comment? And they're like, nope. So... I think the language of the, you know, asking the question is super important when coming to, you know, really trying to understand the mechanics of these things. So um, here we're talking about the bird in the cage again, an archetype number one. Uh, this is session 89.21, represented by the tarot card number one. The matrix of the mind seems to me have four basic parts to the complex. Looking at the card we have, um, the magician is a part, and what seems to be an approaching star? A stork or a similar bird seems to be in the cage. On top of the cage, we have something that is very difficult to discern. Am I correct in this analysis? 
uh, you are competent in viewing pictures. <laughs> so, the equivalent of good job. You have not yet grasped the nature of the matrix of the mind, which is a magician, as fully and as reliably upon contemplation. We would note that the representations drawn by priests were somewhat distorted by um, acquaintance with the dependence upon the astrologically based teachings of the Chaldees. So, I, and really, they, the Egyptian priests that were uh, creating these types of cards, they had um, some influence from the Chaldees. It also says somewhere else they did have influence from uh, the Sumerians as well. Uh, Sumerians are real big into astrology, and um, I think that kind of gave a mixture of what Ra was trying to give and into what was created by the uh, Egyptians. So, but they were asking, you know, um, about the the symbolism of the bird in the cage and what was on top of the cage, and these things we all need to look at as far as if we were the bird in that cage, what is going on around us? And again, I have to say again, the only thing stopping us from getting out of that cage is ourselves, you know, by not realizing our full, uh, you know, um, potential with things. We have all of that potential within us. We just have to realize it. So once we realize it, then we open the cage and we are, we are free. So, um, again, you know, going into the bird is the messenger, 93.10, the bird might be a messenger. The two paths depicted in the position of the wings bring a catalyst, which could be polarized on either path. Is this anyway correct? Um, it is correct perception that the position of the winged creature is significant. The more correct perception of this entity and its significance is the realization that the mind-body-spirit complex is having made contact with its potentiated self, now beginning its flight towards that great logos, which is that which is sought by the adepts. So this is where I was, you know, talking about how you know, seeing the bird is flight. The, the bird means flight. Um, and maybe there does need to be a certain catalyst, you know, internally or externally in order for us to realize that it's us that's capable of flight. And I'm not, I don't mean levitation and physically taking off under the sky and taking off. I mean, learning our, our true potential and really, truly living the best version of ourselves without uh, you know, worrying about the opinions of others or uh, any negative influences from the outside or inside. You know, learning that true self and accepting that true self and understanding that we are a facet of that of the one infinite creator and that we hold that that potential. So uh, further, the nature of this mean creature is echoed both by the female holding it and the symbol of the female, which the figure's feet rest. The nature of the catalyst is overwhelmingly of an unconscious coming fr from that which is not of the mind, which has no connection with the intellect, as you call it, which proceeds or is in um, committent 
with catalytic action. All uses of catalyst by the mind are those consciously applied to the catalyst. Without conscious intent, use of the catalyst is never processed through the mentation, ideation, and the imagination. So I didn't catch this when I was going over it. But it's interesting, it, it really does say without conscious intent of the catalyst, it, it's not processed through mentation. So we almost have to be aware that something is requiring change or action from us. You know, something is requiring catalyst and we need to grasp that catalyst. So, um, and everything is leading to that opening of the cage. So. All right. This kind of goes more into uh, the magician. I know the, the bird is very prevalent in that archetype, at least the, the card, the illustration of the card. Uh, 90.30, uh, the matrix of the mind is a conscious mind and is sustained by the power of the spirit, symbolized by the star, which flows to it through the subconscious mind. Again, it's a shuttle. The spirit is a shuttle for this energy. It contains the will, which is symbolized by the scepter of power in the magician's hands. There we go. So the wand is nothing more than a symbol of the magician's will. All of creation is made through the power of the will directed by the conscious mind of the magician. And the bird in the cage represents the illusion in which the self seems trapped. The magician represents maleness or the radiance of being manifested as the creation through which the entity moves. Okay, so lots that lot to be said in this. So, and when I was reading this, I was thinking that the bird and the magician are the same being. Okay, the bird and the magician are the same being. And uh, the, the magician is is there for the taking. It's there to be tapped into with the, the will to open that cage. So, and yeah, I mean, it kind of represents, the cage represents third density and the, the you know, the cage of thoughts that we have trapped ourselves into and as i said before I, I think this is to do with you know limitation the the idea that we are limited beings or that we're not worthy beings or that we are uh in biblical terms sinners or <laughs> you know you name it all those those negative influence that we we just don't find ourselves worthy in that. So once we realize our worthiness and where we come from and who we actually are, which we're all a facet of this creator, and we have all that 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 ability within us to open that cage ourselves, we just have to to do it. So, and again, maleness, magician, it just really means that the um, this archetype is is more. Uh, apt to be drawn to male so although it's my favorite one so that and the empress 
that is another point to be made, though, that um, Raw does state that we do kind of need to go into each archetype and then also study how they connect with each other and how they kind of work with each other. So, I mean, imagine 22 uh, facets of ourself, you know, sitting around a round table discussing our life, <laughs> you know, and then kind of it's just like a meeting of the minds. Okay. Um, I will go into this, although I think I said it earlier. Uh, this is in regards to uh, what information they gave to the Egyptian priests or priestesses or Egyptians or who was first contacted or taught with respect to this magician, the first archetype. Is it possible for you to do that within the limits of the first distortion, which is free will? Um, our first step, as we said, was to present the descriptions in verbal form of three images, one eighteen fifteen, and this is in regards to um, the major arcana archetypes. And then the questions were asked, what do you feel that a bird might represent? What do you feel that a wand might represent? What do you feel the male represents? And so forth. Okay. Uh, we may note with sympathy that you undoubtedly feel choked by the absolute difficulty with great mass of observation of the system, all of which has some merit, and each student will experience the archetypical mind and its structure in a unique way, useful to that student. We suggest that one or more of this group do that which we have suggested in order that we may, without infringement, offer observations um, which may be further aid to those inquiring. So, okay. All right. I'm not going to go into the question on this one, but very important phrase to say from Ra. Let no consideration of bird or beast, darkness or light, shape or shadow, keep any which seeks from the central consideration of unity. Don't let anything deter your path. So, um, and as long as you have that connection with, with you and your creator, which is a force inside of you, uh, deter you from, from that. So, um, let's go into, this is talking about the book, The Secrets of the Great Pyramid. Sorry, I'm getting a drink. I'm having some throat stuff. Okay. But they're asking about the drawings of the birds that are flying over horizontal entities. Uh, they're wondering if there was any significance of that. And they do answer that it was kind of a distortion um, the drawings in which you speak are some of many which distort the teaching of our perception of death as the gateway to further experience. Distortions concern most uh, considerations of specific nature and to, as to the process of the so-called dead mind-body-spirit complex. This may be termed in your philosophy the distortion of Gnosticism, 
the belief that one may achieve knowledge and a proper position by means of carefully perceiving and assinuated movements, concepts, or symbols. The fact, the process of physical death, as we have, as we have described before, one in which there is aid available and the only needed death is the releasing of that entity from the body by those around it and the praising of the process by those who grieve. So uh, they kind of took the, the um, in this book, they kind of took the drawings of the birds flying over horizontal entities and kind of spoke, said it was about death, you know, being the, the, the gateway to further experience. But um, I do want to agree with this. The, the process of the physical death, as we described before, one in which there is aid available and the only needed death is the releasing of that entity from its body by those around it. So in my time working in hospice, uh, 70% of it was counseling the family on how to let go. And, um, and then the rest was about comfort of the individual. So and everybody graves in their own way. I've seen a lot, <laughs> so everybody grieves in their own way. Um, but more importantly, it is about the family letting go and understanding that they are moving on to a greater experience. So, and that they will one day be, you know, reunited with this person. So, uh, and it's more like a party on their on their end. It's more like a party. So they're they're waiting for them too on the other side. So. Um, so last one on the birds that I'll go over and I'll kind of go into, um, some resurrection stuff and then tie them in together. Do the symbols on the face of each of these little car touches, such as the birds. So a car touch is, um, like a, a hieroglyph and then it's encased in a circle, basically. So the picture is inside that circle. Uh, such as birds and other symbols have a meaning in this card that it's a value in considering the archetype. Um, these symbols are letters and words much as your language would receive such an entablature. They are to a great extent and cultured by a people not of your generation. Well, yes, of course. This is by, um, if they're written in hieroglyphs. Um, and the Roth suggests that the information written upon these cartridges be understood as the phrase, and you shall be born again to eternal life. So, and in Christianity, in um, other societies, I might say, the heart, the heart is the key to immortal life. The heart is the key to eternal life. And that is living in compassion, that is living in um, unconditional love, that is living in understanding and, and being able to handle that because in the present moment, too, uh, is part of it. So, but the more that you are present in the present moment, no pun intended, the more that you're going to experience what seems to be this eternal life and the knowing that even upon death, 
you are just moving on to a different experience. The consciousness moves on, the spirit moves on, and that you will be welcome to this brand new amazing experience. So, um, and then you will be offered to make amends if you need to make amends because nobody's perfect. Uh, you'll be offered to forgive self and forgive others. But why should we wait until that time? Why should, why can we not? Um, start living that way while we're here. There's no reason why we can't start living that way while we're here. So, uh, and it seemed to come up on me automatically after the near-death experience. And I don't believe you have to have a near-death experience. So to, to really be present and conscious about your responses and your reactions and your emotions and the emotions of others. And um, I learned all kinds of new things each day. I went into a rabbit hole the other day about clairsentience, which is one of the five clairs. And when I really read it, it, I was like, oh my gosh, well, no wonder. Because if somebody, if I walk into a room and somebody's upset, I feel that in my gut. I feel it in my heart. And just realizing what that is, I think, kind of helps have like a sense of control to know that this isn't coming from you. Um, and it kind of goes into the realms of, of empathy, but um, it is one of the five clairs. So just understanding and then how to help this person or should you help this person? Because maybe that is a lesson that they need to, to go through an experience that they need to have um, to get them to a better place later on in hopes that they might realize why they're angry, should they be angry, let's transmute that anger into something more productive, whatever the case may be. So, and this all may be happening in like 0.5 seconds in your mind. And I think that's that's part of being in the present moment and really discerning what is going on in your environment. So, uh, and the, um, the solar energies that we're getting is, is heightening this um, and it's just going to keep coming, guys. So, yeah, let's just make it the best. Let's just make it the best. So, all right, let's go into a little bit of um, the resurrection. Let's speak about that. I did just do a um, I did just do a sermon on the resurrection at the sanctuary and it went over really well because I, my point of doing that was to help others understand that this is a force within inside ourselves. So this is not something that uh, we, we should just wait for other people to do. Um, all right. And in the love one, a lot the topics that revolve around the resurrection have to do with the Great Pyramid, but I'm going to kind of add in my own knowledge. It looks like um, Margie's showing a picture of, the res of, of a feather that she just found. So, interesting. Okay. This is session 65, question 20. Uh, you mentioned in speaking of the pyramids that the resonating chamber was used so that the adept could meet the self. 
What do you mean by that? One meets the self in the center or deeps of the being. It's inside of you. You meet yourself inside of you. The so-called resonating chamber may be lacking into the symbology of the burial and resurrection of the body, wherein the entity dies to the self, and through this confrontation of apparent loss and realization of essential gain is transmuted into a new and risen being. Okay, and that being is your your spiritual self, in my opinion, with the, the winged the winged spirit. So, um, and you don't have to go to the pyramids. I don't feel like uh, having an open heart and using compassion, unconditional love is 100% important when doing this. But it, somewhere else, and I believe we talked about it, it does say the, the, the finely tuned being or a balanced being, something of that nature, is a walking king's chamber. So you can be in your balanced self and your finely tuned self upon doing your inner work and not projecting or recognizing when you're projecting, forgiving easily, loving easily, serving easily, but also doing that self-care easily. It's both, you know, inside and outside. Um, you can be an exact symbol. Uh, you are the life, death, and the resurrection. You are. Um, and just talking a little bit about the, the Queen's Chamber. Uh, Queen's Chamber was the initiatory place. What do you mean by that? It's a large one. Okay. Um, but let's talk a little bit about it. However, you are aware of the concept of initiation and realize that it demands the centering upon the being. Centering of the being upon the seeking of the creator. Okay, we have hoped to balance this understanding by enunciating the law of one. The all things are the one creator. Thus, seeking the creator is done not just in meditation and the work of an adept, but in the experiential nexus of each moment. The initiation of the queen's chamber has to do with the abandoning of self. To know such desire, to know the creator and in full that the purified and streaming light is drawn in a balanced fashion through all energy centers meeting in indigo and opening the gate to intelligent infinity thus the entity experiences true life or as your people call it resurrection so resurrection is true life resurrection is true life that is something inside of you that you recognize who you are that you are willing to do your inner work you are willing to serve others, hopefully, and um, live in that eternal life through the heart and, you know, work, do the creator's work by, by teaching this and helping other people be aware that they are this creation. They are a portion as well as you are of the creator. And we can all do this together if we just forgive easy and be kind and forgive ourselves easy and be kind to ourselves as well okay um, you can often see when somebody's not being kind to themselves because they are not kind to others uh, they are they're projecting that outwardly 
uh, on a massive scale. So, um, yeah. So you go in this this chamber, and again, I don't I don't feel like you need to. Just opening of the heart is the central of importance, and um, just willingly seeking the Creator inside of you finding that inside of you realizing that it's this this potential has been inside of you all along and then and only then you experience true life okay i'm not going to bring the destiny or feed into it because i believe um and you may disagree but it's what we make it so we do have free will in this so in what you believe about yourself you become so our thoughts hold concentration of energy and it just expands all around us so um just as much as our word does you know it, our word speaks things into existence um i think that's why they call it spelling <laughs> so being more conscious of the intent of the words that we are speaking and um more times than not and that takes practice uh, i know when i first was really trying to be aware of the more present moment I was setting alarms on my phone throughout the day. And then it would, it would say, uh, be present. So then I would set my mind to a state where I understood in this moment that I was aware of my words and I was aware of my conscious thoughts and I was aware of uh, my own feelings and my own intentions in that moment, no matter what was going on. I could have been at the grocery store. I could have been uh, wherever I could have been in a meeting somewhere, I could have been at home. But in that moment, I stopped and I, I paid attention to the present moment, what was going on around me, and then shifted it if it was negative, because sometimes it was. I was doing a lot of work, still am. Uh, then I shifted it to a more positive. I did some mantras. I said some mantras. Um, I, I kind of moved the energy to the heart center and I, you know, uh, kind of uh, sat in there um, for a while. So I don't need the alarm anymore, although I, it's probably ego to think that I don't need that anymore. <laughs> but I've been better about, um, you know, recognizing that on my own. So uh, just some advice, you know, if you're having trouble understanding what that present moment is. I know it's talked about, but it's not really explained. What is the present moment? Well, it's you being aware of your own self um, and how you're affecting the world around you. And and it goes for others, too, recognizing if others are just projecting um, things onto you or uh, and vice versa. So, yep. All right. So this is talking about, um, you know what, I will go into this. So when I did my my sermon last weekend, I was really trying to help people understand that the resurrection was something inside of them. You know, the moment they chose to be their best version of themselves uh, by seeking, by willing to do the inner work, by willing to change themselves um, and recognizing, you know, how much we're affecting our environment. Um, when I asked them, you know, have you, haven't you had an experience where 
you have just been dragged to the ground by either actions of your own self or of others or a combination of or just life in general. You've been broke, lost this, lost that, and then you had you felt like you had nothing left or you were injured severely, you know, almost um almost dead, you know, you name it. How, have you not had that type of experience? And then you came out of it fully aware, fully conscious, back on your feet, almost like this divine energy entered you and you decided to make a change for the better. And then now you're doing something different or you act different or, um, and, but this was all done by conscious will, meaning I will not lie here and die or I will not be here again. I will not experience this again. So you build your way back up and learning lessons along the way with yourself and with others and making better choices and uh, being more conscious of choices and decisions and things and of others. Um, and all of them raise their hand. Every single one of them. So I said, then you can see that that resurrection is something inside of you. By your will, you have done this. So um, it is something that we can grasp a hold of and we can accept that. This is not something that is done outside of us. Okay, this is asking about writing their book for book one. So wondering about the the entities that contact us, but Betty Anderson. Okay. The entities in this and some other vividly remembered cases are those who feeling the need to plant confederation imagery in such a way as to not abrogate free will, use the symbols of death, resurrection, love as a piece of means of creating upon the thought level, the time space, illusion of systemic train of events which will give the message of love and hope this type of contact is chosen by careful consideration of confederation members which are contacting an entity of home by like home vibration if you will this project then goes before the council of saturn and if approved is completed the characteristics of this contact include non-painful nature of thoughts, experiences, and the message content, which speaks not of doom, but of the new dawning age. Okay. It is important to know um, a lot of the stuff out there I see is doom and gloom. And, you know, maybe this isn't necessarily a, a quite negative thing um i believe that gives people catalysts to do better i do but in speaking of this particular con uh, contact by um betty Anderson, this was done by um the confederation the the benevolent folks so all right talking about the queen's chamber again let's go into that take another drink Okay. <clears throat> They're asking about the the shape of the actual pyramid. So the point and the point at the top. 
and a spiral, spiraling light. Okay. Uh, certain shapes offer an echo chamber or an intensifier for spiraling prana. As some have called this all-present primal distortion in the one infinite creator. If the intent is to intensify the necessity for the entity's own will to call for the inner night inner light in order to match the intensification of the spiraling light energy, the entity will be placed in what you have called the clean chamber position in this particular shaped object. This is the initiatory place and it's a place of resurrection because it has to do with you meeting you, okay? You meeting yourself at its very core. Well, us at our, our self at the very core is that that facet or that fractal of the one infinite creator so very interesting um but connecting those two together uh, you know the wing the the wings of the bird indicate flight you know, the wings of the the wing the bird gains its wings when it opens the cage well isn't that you know, connecting to the idea of resurrection where we take flight in our life and we really start living life as it should be or as we feel it should be. Um, that is true life. You know, that is resurrection. We have come back from uh, whatever particular negative or what we perceive as a negative experience. Well, then we have to take to look at <clears throat> we might have thought of it as a negative experience then. But would you have had the opportunity for flight in your life if that didn't happen? Uh, and would you have had an opportunity for those lessons learned if it not had been for that particular thing that happened? So, um, so the resurrection and the bird symbolism really, really go together and you know, earlier it was said, you know, that the bird is a messenger, is a message from the higher self. And then the higher self gives, you know, the portion that is you a message. And then essentially we become the bird once we accept this flight and open the cage and, and tr really just to start enjoying true, true life. I, there's so much work to be done in this world on uh, getting this getting this system back to what creator intended it to be and it starts with us we need to be that change that we see this is not an easy task to take you know i think of the pioneers you know well they struggled you know well again release release that sword from the stone release the struggle out of it and just know that this is being divinely guided and we make it what we feel it needs to be as long as we're not um, harming others or uh, invading others' personal free will or whatnot. Um, and we have that ability to speak things and we have that ability to create things as given by our creator. Humanity cre has created some amazing things and that comes from normal people that comes from us who have had a spark of imagination 
And that spark of imagination comes from somewhere. And that is the ability to create. So that has been given to us. Um, let's see where we're at with time. Okay, I think we're good for today, guys. So, uh, so we will be back very soon. Um, keep an eye on uh, an announcement for the next one. It should be next week. There's a lot that's been going on here. I've had water issues with the house. I mean, it was like the water literally came up from the earth. It was something else. But we got through it. And it was just one of those things that allowed me to take the catalyst by the hands. So that's, that's all I'm going to go into about that. But, it, but so sorry I missed the last couple of weeks. But we should be back on track now. Thank you guys for listening. Any questions, any concerns, please leave in the comments. Otherwise, I love you guys, and I will see you soon.